The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Well, hello, sunshines and our dope village. Welcome to Laughter Permitted. I'm Julie Foudy. I'm Lynn Ozawi. And Jules, do you know what we're about to have? What are we about to have? A full circle moment. (laughs) We are. We are having a full circle moment. And that's because astronaut Nicole Mann, she's back. (laughs) She's back on Earth. And Lynn and I had the honor of kicking off this ninth season of the pod in March by interviewing astronaut and Colonel Nicole Mann from space, Mm -hmm. FYI. And she gave us the thumbs up to calling her Nicole, by the way. Well, she's back on Earth, and we talked to her IRL, as the cool kids say, Lynn, in real life about (laughs) her experience on the International Space Station. Oh, it was so epic. And a heads up, Nicole tells a story in Most Pressing Questions that's up there with the Mia Hamm split (laughs) pants story. (laughs) That's that's facts. (laughs) I'm going to set the scene for this episode. This is a live recording from the ESPNW NYC Summit. So imagine you are in a lovely event space at the One Hotel in Brooklyn. It's filled with baller women. As a member of the Dope Village, you are obvi, a VIP. You are officially in on all the fun that's about to take place. Yeah, and... Astronaut Nicole Mann returned from space about two months ago from living and working on the International Space Station for over five months as commander of NASA's SpaceX Crew-5 mission. In doing so, she became the first Native American woman in space. Boom! And, oh, you know, a USA Today Woman of the Year nominee alongside the likes of Sandra Day O'Connor and Michelle Obama. I've heard of them. Beyond all of this awesomeness, Nicole is a colonel in the Marines. She has a master's in mechanical engineering from Stanford. She's an F-18 fighter pilot. In fact, she's flown 25 different types of aircraft. She has flown 47 combat missions to Afghanistan and Iraq. She's a mom and, no surprise here, She's a soccer player. Duh, of course she is. She played collegiate soccer at the Naval Academy. Little shout out to her coach, Karen Jennings Gabera, former teammate of mine on the U.S. Women's National Team, who was in the audience and helped us get this interview. Houston, we are ready for this episode. <laughs> so get comfortable listening. It's astronaut Nicole, man. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed Laughter Permitted since day one of our podcast as our financial ally. And honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game for women sports. And get this, along with being sponsors of the National Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And you, my friends, can be part of the change by 
watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV, by going to women's sporting events in person, by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com. Hey there, Dope Village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives. And truly, we've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, Ally. Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women. And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. So bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling alright, get comfortable, listening. It's laughter permitted. Oh, Nicole, thank you so much for coming back your second time. You really didn't have a choice, though. I don't know if you knew that. We, um, <laughs> while you were up in space doing spacely things and, and uh, doing really great work, we were like, Oh my gosh, in the close of the episode, we're like, we're going to close out the season with Nicole Mann at the summit. She has no idea, but <laughs> she is coming. And we spoke to the universe and the universe answered. So thank you. Well, thanks for asking because it's such a pleasure to be here and to meet all these amazing women. And the show's been great so far. It's such an exciting day. You're right. The vibe in here yeah. is just awesome. Um, all right. What was the first thing you did when you got back to Earth? The first thing I did? Yeah. After I threw up? <laughs> um, yeah, what is that like? No, the first thing you get, we splash down in the water. And so the ride, the ride back home through the atmosphere is pretty exciting. Um, and once you splash down, we have this amazing team of folks at SpaceX that are the recovery um, crew. And they come out and they hook up the spacecraft and they drag it out to a boat. And then they set you on board the boat. Um, they come in, put all these straps on you, and literally carry you out of the capsule onto the deck of the boat because your body's not used to gravity and your vestibular system is not used to gravity. And so you have no, no sense of, of up and down and you try to move your head and spin and you, you will fall over. So people are really holding on to you, at least for the first couple hours. Just the first couple <laughs> hours. And then you can kind of walk, but you're, you're really wobbly uh, for, uh, you know, maybe at least the next day. Okay, and, and we cheated a little bit because we had the chance to have dinner with Nicole last night. And so we were like, okay, that's a nerd out hour. Can you tell me? And so we just started pumping questions all the time at her. And can you just tell them like what it's like to come back through the atmosphere? Oh my that gosh, story. yes, yes. That story? Okay. I was excited for that because you, you hear a bunch of stories and you try to imagine what it's going to be like, but you, and you can't even imagine it. Um, and so when you're in space and on the space station, we're moving at 17,500 miles per hour, That's but awesome. you can't tell that. You don't have any sense of movement. There's no atmosphere. You're in the vacuum of space. There's no acceleration. You can look down and see the planet screaming by beneath you, but that's your, really your only sense. 
Um, so when you come back home, you do the deorbit burn, and once you start to hit the atmosphere, that's when you know you're really moving. And the, uh, as the molecules build up on your heat shield, they produce a tremendous amount of energy. And that energy is translated pretty much into a ball of fire as you're coming back to the planet. And so we reach a speed of Mach 25, which is 25 times faster than the speed of sound. And there's a couple windows on Dragon, which is our spacecraft, down by your feet. And I was really excited. I wanted to see what this looks like, this plasma. And so I lift my head up, and you can see these like, kind of like white sparks start as you start to feel the G-forces build on you. And so we're sitting here at 1G, um, one force of gravity. In space, it's zero gravity. Um, and so that's about a half a G, you feel it coming through your chest. And since you haven't felt gravity in so long, it feels really heavy. And as I move my head in that pitch direction, it comes back, your brain kind of tumbles, and you're like, oh, better be careful with that. So, but I want to keep looking, and then that window turns to like this glowing yellow. And I look again, and now it's this brilliant orange and red with these white like sparks flying by, and you could hear the atmosphere, and everything is shaking, and you know you're moving fast, and planet Earth is, is going to be coming up quickly. <laughs> But then you also knew you were like, oh, when you, when you straightened your head again and you're, you're tight about two Gs, I did that last look back and then I really tumbled and I was like, okay, I better, no more messing around. Like, let's get serious, right? I better just like focus straight ahead. <laughs> so, Nicole, you gifted Julie and myself with patches. Yes. From space, as I mentioned earlier. Pretty cool. <laughs> Not going to lie. Can you walk us through your patches on your spacesuit? Oh, sure, sure. So this is our Crew-5 patch. So we flew on a SpaceX Dragon um, with Stars. our other crew members. Uh, Josh Cassida was the pilot, uh, Koichi Wakata from Japan, and Anya Kikina from Russia were the other crew members on board. So we flew Dragon to the International Space Station, and that spacecraft stays docked for the entirety of your mission while you're on board. In case something happens, that's your lifeboat home. It's also your spacecraft home at the end of the mission. And while we were up there, we joined another crew that flew on a Soyuz spacecraft, uh, two cosmonauts and one American, Frank Rubio. And so on board, we were part of Expedition 68 on board the space station. And Frank Rubio and his crew, in fact, are still up there. They'll be up there for a year. Oh, um, good they Lord. were going to be six months, but they had a problem with their spacecraft, so they've been extended up there for a year. And Frank has convinced me to coach his daughter's soccer team. <laughs> Since he's in space, he totally no pulled that, that card, like, oh, I'm stuck in space. Can't you help me out? <laughs> so, like, of course, hey, I man, said I'm yes. I'm for a year. The least you can do <laughs> is know, coach my right? kid's team. So I'll be coaching this fall. <laughs> you are? Yes. <laughs> and then... Oh, sorry. Then we have... Um, so Mach 25. So if you hit Mach 25, you get the Mach 25 patch, and there's a dragon on there. And then they have 100-day milestones. So we were on board for 157 days, so you get the 100-day patch. But Frank, he's going to get the 300-day yeah. patch, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Woo, that's a long time. It is so surreal to be here with you because the last time we talked, we, Julie and I were in her kitchen. We were doing the interview over Skype. Mm -hmm. You were 250 miles above Earth, orbiting at 17,500 miles yes, an hour. Yes, Okay. And you couldn't see us. So what was so just awesome is that we felt the joy coming through. All that distance through a screen, you couldn't see us, but what we felt was joy. And I do, and you've talked about how much fun it was in space. If you can think about just maybe a moment of joy you could share with us in space, mm -hmm. even a quiet moment that you think back to and think like, wow, 
Absolutely. I think, you know, some of the little things, because you're so busy when you're up there and you've trained for so long, there is this, this stress, obviously, to perform and get your job done. And especially in the beginning, you don't take like those moments to really just be in the moment and be grateful for the opportunity and just kind of reflect on the day. And so I tried to be more conscious of that, uh, especially throughout the mission. But there was really special for me towards the end of the mission. Uh, Dragon, our spacecraft, is docked to the front. So if you think of space station like an airplane flying around the planet, Dragon docks to the front of it. And we had the next crew coming up, crew six, and they docked to the top. And when those four new crew members come on board, we give them our rooms, which are our crew quarters on station, and everybody kind of camps out. Um, and so I had the privilege of sleeping in Dragon during that time. So I have this spacecraft to myself. I mentioned there's a couple amazing windows on the front of that. And so I would wake up early in the morning and I would go make a cup of coffee, which is really just putting hot water in a bag. And I would go back and I felt like this was like, like I was doing something wrong. I wasn't at all, but it's just such a little luxury. I would get back in my sleeping bag and I would just look out the window and drink my coffee and watch, <laughs> since we're traveling so quickly, right? You go around the earth every 90 minutes. So every 45 minutes, you get a sunrise and a sunset. And I would just sit there and watch the beautiful planet beneath us, you know, nighttime pass and the sun coming up. And it really gives you this amazing perspective on life. And it was an incredible, incredible way to start the day. Wow. A sunset and sunrise every 45 minutes. That's how we all should live, right? Yeah, I there. agree. I agree. Yes. We were just, if you have a bad day, just go to the cupola, look out the window, and, right. you know, it's over. Okay. Um, how do you sleep? I know this, I, we asked this last night, but they need to hear this. Because when you said sleeping bag last night at dinner as part of my nerd hour, it's like, how does one sleep when they're floating the whole time? Do you tether yourself in? What do you do? So sleeping in space is amazing. It's way better than sleeping on the planet, I can tell you that, uh, because it's so comfortable. And at first I was a little worried, like, is this going to feel weird? I'm going to float away. Uh, and so I tried a, different, a couple different methods, but we have a sleeping bag, and that's just to kind of give you that cozy feeling. Um, and I ended up putting just one bungee, like, around my waist, and that would just keep you from floating. Even though your, your crew quarters, like your room, is the size of maybe a large telephone booth, you'll still float around because there's fans and ventilation for airflow in there. So just one bungee, and I would just kind of float in space. <laughs> um, you don't ever have to like turn over. You don't, like your hip doesn't hurt, your neck doesn't hurt. You know, it feels, it feels pretty amazing. Uh, in the beginning, it was hard to fall asleep though because my brain was just oh, like, so bet. busy. So I tried some of the sleep meditation. And there was a funny moment during the sleep meditation, you know, the music's playing, calm, like talking. They're like, okay, visualize, imagine that you're floating in space. And I was like, <laughs> I am floating in space. So. That is the best story ever. <laughs> Wait, I am. Oh, that's so good. Okay, I'm also fascinated by all the science you did, over 200 experiments, mm -hmm. I, I need to know about this organ bioprinting. Am I saying that right? The biofabrication facility. Yes. 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 What it's is so this? cool. What were so you doing? The, the space station is a floating laboratory. And because you're in zero G or micro G, because there's a little bit of gravity up there, uh, there's some amazing things that you can do and from a research and a development standpoint that you just cannot duplicate on Earth. And so one cool experiment that we set up was BFF, the biofabrication facility, and we're literally 
3D printing human cells. I know it sounds super sci-fi, futuristic. 3D printing human cells. 3D printing human cells. How? And so because you're in microgravity, you can print these cells and they will organize themselves in a higher quality than they would on Earth because you don't have gravity, you don't have density gradients, you don't have um, that forces affecting the cells as you're trying to grow them. So the, right now they're printing um, human heart cells and also human meniscus for your knee. So the concept in the future is that we can have uh, patches for your heart if you had a heart attack, that heart tissue is damaged patches, and then also um, you know, blow your knee out, which I'm sure a lot of us have over, over the time. You get a meniscus from space, you're ready to go. So the, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, stat, can we bring it down, Nicole? Put it on Dragon and get it down. Yeah. So the idea is that they would grow these in space and then transport them back to the Earth and then boom. Yes, yes. And so I think the future, too, of low Earth orbit is you're going to see other laboratories, not, not just International Space Station, not government laboratories. You're seeing this rise of commercial industry in space where it's now open to not just the government astronaut, civilian astronauts, um, artists, scientists, engineers. Uh, so I think it's really going to be accessible, and a lot of these technologies will be um, grown or developed in space. Oh, my gosh. So clearly you need to know a lot about science to be an astronaut. <laughs> I started following NASA on Instagram, and there was a post about how one of the attributes that might be surprising to us as far as being successful as an astronaut is being a good teammate. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering if you could talk about that and what your experience was like being a good teammate and, and having to work with your teammates in space. Absolutely. It's, that's, it's so important. I mean, just like it is on the sports field. Um, you know that synergy you have with an amazing team when people are working together and supporting each other. And so when you're in space, you're living inside, you know, the size of maybe a five-bedroom house, and there's seven people on board. So it's very close quarters. So you need to be able to work well together, not only to get the mission accomplished, but also for your own sanity. Uh, if you're happy and you're functioning well as a team, you're going to be more efficient. You're going to be uh, safer than doing that. This is a photo or video of us uh, doing a spacewalk, and mm. that, is, that is the epitome of teamwork. Mm. I think going out the door on a spacewalk, you spend hundreds and hundreds of hours training for this in this huge pool to simulate microgravity, and when you have the opportunity to go out the door, it is by far the most challenging thing I've ever done physically and mentally, and it's a team of people on the ground and in space that make that happen. Oh. That spacewalk, you did 14 hours, right? Plus we of spacewalk, uh, twice. twice, seven right. and seven. seven. Yeah, seven, like seven and a half, six and a half out the door. Mm -hmm. Right, so I, um, again, I, this is, I kind of found like, I feel like I'm stalking you a little bit, <laughs> but I started obsessing, if you guys haven't seen the spacewalk, Nicole, it's on um, NASA's YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. It is so fascinating to watch all that because the, to your teamwork point, they're directing her from Houston, Command Center, that was the coolest thing ever, too, at the beginning of the podcast. Did you hear that? Uh, do you have us, Houston? I was like, I'm in a movie. I'm in a movie right now. Uh, Houston, can you hear us? Anyways, back to the spacewalk. So you're doing that spacewalk, and they're literally verbally saying, move a little bit to the right. Can you grab your, and your tool, toolkit's all here. Can you grab this toolkit and grab it? And okay, and then do you see that second bolt? So they're watching from Earth, directing her in this spacesuit that has, which I thought, 
okay, you're floating in space. It can't be that hard to move. And then you tell the story about how it's like running a marathon. Explain that. Oh gosh, that. it is so challenging. So the suit is, the suit's huge. Obviously you don't weigh anything in space, but it has, still has a mass. So it's 450 pounds uh, and you're in this suit and you're in the vacuum of space. So the suit is pressurized to 4.3 PSI to keep your body safe. But every time you wanna move your arm or squeeze your hand, you're working against the pressure of that suit. And so in that sense, it is very much like a marathon where you really need to pace yourself. Um, your whole life support system is contained there in your backpack. And so if you get your met rates too high, you're gonna burn through your CO2 scrubbing ability and you're not gonna be able to extend the mission. So it is a balance of working hard to get the job done and slowing down and working smart to make that happen. Um, but so that, that's where it's really physically challenging. Mentally challenging because, well, one, you don't want to die, right? That's like goal I don't number one. Don't die. Space. Yeah. Cool. And, and really close to that goal, don't screw up, right? You don't yeah. want to be the one that screwed up the multi-billion dollar space station. And you're out, we were out installing some hardware uh, for these new solar arrays, which are upgrades um, to the, the electrical capacity of the space station. And we have, have trained for hours and hours in the pool. You know all your steps, what you're supposed to do, but something always goes wrong. And on that first spacewalk, it did. We had quite a few things go wrong. In fact, one of the mid-struts, we had some interference with the equipment and we couldn't get it installed. And we didn't successfully complete our mission on that spacewalk. We had to come back in the door um, after failing, essentially, you uh -huh. know, getting that done. And it, that was a really a difficult feeling. You know, you think like, you're at the height of your career, you're crushing everything. There are, there are still challenges. And, right. and that was really tough to come back in the door. Um, you just have this, you just feel deflated, right? I think everybody's probably felt that feeling before. You're going through in your mind, okay, was there something I could have done better? Was there something I could have done different? And as soon as we came back in, we got a call from the ground from our flight director that said, hey, we want you to go back out the door in a week and we're going to figure this out. Mm. And for a second, you get this like dropping feeling of doubt, like, Oh my, like, and so it'd be the feeling like you just finished a marathon. They're like, hey, get, get your shoes back on, get back out there, right? But then, you know, you hear that, that voice. It's the team on the ground saying, we got you. We're going to figure this out. And that to me was so empowering. We were Ugh. like, yes, yes, we'll do it. And, and they worked, you know, through the week, through the night, through the weekend, figure out these troubleshooting techniques. Um, and we went out again, Kuichi and I, uh, back to that mid strut. And we fought for about two hours. Things didn't work. Tools broke over and over. And finally, us working together, both of us on that mid-strut, we just got it. And boom, <laughs> it clicked into space. And you could hear mission control. <laughs> like, people were cheering. I mean, it was the, that's the epitome of teamwork. That was like the ground, everybody on the station. I mean, my husband and son were in mission control, like, yeah, like cheering. And, and we were cheering. It was, it was an incredible moment. It was really It is special. the word of the day. Crushing. Crushing. <laughs>
you know, I don't know. You played soccer and I was fast and I was scrappy and it didn't matter because if you were big, you just fell harder and I could get in there, you know? <laughs> um, and it wasn't until like later on in my career in the Marine Corps flying fighter jets that I realized, wow, this jet is really big. Like I can, I can barely reach that one thing and I have to come up with these little techniques um, in how to kind of adapt because I'm smaller. And to be honest, that jet is made for, you know, a six-foot-tall man. It's not made for, for a smaller woman. And so you come up with these techniques. Um, same in the EMU, in the spacesuit, when we do a spacewalk, you come up with different techniques. You try to adapt so that you can make that happen. But, you know, flying the Hornet, that jet, that is a great equalizer because nobody knows who's in that jet. Yeah. Nobody knows if you're a man or a woman or you're tall or you're short or, or where you came from, anything. Hmm. It's just how that jet performs. And so I really, I really loved that. When, when you look at the breadth of things you've done, I mean, the different types of aircrafts you've flown, 47 combat missions, you've now been up to space and back. What perspective from this trip is different maybe from the others, having seen now the earth from that, that vision? Mm -hmm. It's very different experience. I know from, you know, from being on a military deployment, you're gone for six to nine months. You really are detached from society, but you're seeing the worst of humanity, right? You're at war, you're in combat. It's, it's horrible. Uh, you don't want to, nobody wants to do that, um, but you feel like you're doing your duty. Um, so I didn't know, coming back home, it's tough sometimes to integrate after going through an experience like that. And so I didn't know after going to space, was I going to feel detached from, from the planet, from my family, from people? What was that going to feel like? But I'm here to tell you it was the absolute opposite. Hmm. It was the absolute opposite feeling because you're in space and you're supporting um, the science and technology and you're seeing the best of humanity. And not just the best of NASA, the best of all of the United States, the best of the entire world, really this international group of people working together. And, and I've mentioned the cupola before, which is this module that's on the belly of the space station. And so it's windows all the way around and one big window in the bottom. And so you have this incredible view of planet Earth from the cupola. And when you look at our planet, it's, it's so miraculous. It, when you, during the daytime, you can see the blackness of space, which is the darkest, emptiest thing you've ever seen. And then you're, as your eyes travel to the horizon, you can start picking up colors, this brilliant blue and this shades of yellow and red where the sun is coming around. But it's so thin. It's this thin layer. And then you see our magnificent planet, blue and white and browns. But you realize it's just that tiny, mm. tiny atmosphere. It's the only thing that's keeping all humans on the planet alive. The only thing separating us from the blackness of space. When you look at that planet, you don't see borders and you don't see boundaries and you don't see limitations. You see humanity. And you feel this incredible connection to Ugh. all people on Earth and, and just this magnificent and the majesty of our planet, but also the fragility of it and how important it is to, to protect it and how important it is that we work together as a uh, species, yeah. right? Uh, Amen. <laughs> That's gonna make me cry. <laughs> don't make me cry. I know, how do we transition to the game from that? Lynn, get I don't know. <laughs> I don't uh, know what the transition is. Uh, that's, that's well, uh, Nicole, you may be short. I'm pretty <laughs> and small. I'm pretty sure you're pretty competitive. I don't know if you've seen <laughs> my competitive fire. 
A little bit. A little um, bit. But <laughs> are you ready? Now I'm nervous. Should I be nervous? I'm nervous. <laughs> You have, we didn't get to play the Lynn game in the first. Um, yeah, we didn't have much time. We yeah, didn't have we enough didn't time to play the Lynn game. I had the idea of doing rock, paper, scissors intergalactically, but. Oh, we could totally do Julie that. Julie nixed yes. that. So <laughs> we're going to play. So now this is the traditional Lynn game, which involves the most important part, squeaky toys. Perfect. So we'll just start there. You have a choice of squeaky toy. You can either go oh. with um, the green pig. Okay. Or the chocolate frosted donut. Okay, I'm definitely taking donuts because I know oh. that Julie loves donuts. Oh. I'm in her brain right now. Strategically, <laughs> I uh, like it. You know I what? Like I actually really like this pig because listen to this. <laughs> Fierce. That's special. Mm -hmm. It's special. <laughs> so every Lynn game has a different theme. Uh, today's theme is anything goes. Anything, anything goes. goes. Okay. okay, I never know the theme for the record. Uh, best of five questions wins. All okay. multiple choice. Squeak in when oh, you think okay. you know the answer. Okay. Question one. What actress played Leslie Nope in the show Parks and Recreation? Oh, come on. Oh, oh that's, wait. I think I know this. Keep is going. it A, Tina Fey? B, <laughs> I heard a no. <laughs> no. B, Melissa McCarthy, or C, Amy Poehler? Oh, I think Julie. Amy Poehler! Correct. Oh! How many of you just knew that without the option? Without the okay. option. Thank you. Okay, yeah. Lynn kind of knows two. my pop culture not so bueno. Mm -hmm. Where did Sally Ride go to college? Oh, come on, this oh, is so unfair. Wow. Is it A, Stanford, B, MIT, or C, Notre Dame? Oh. oh, does that count as a squeak? <laughs> you can have it. You can have it. Okay, I'm guessing here. Okay. B, MIT. Incorrect. Oh. Do not doubt the fine institution of Stanford University. <laughs> Correct. Oh, oh nice. Nicole, 2-0. Oh, boy. Okay. 2-0 okay. to me. Uh -oh. Let's go, into, let's go Nicole. You got this. Okay. Question Nicole, I believe three. you. Who was the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Oh. Was it A, Aretha Franklin, B, Madonna, or C, Beyonce? Nicole. <laughs> it's got to be Aretha Franklin. Correct. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, she's back in Question business. Question four. Yeah. We're still rolling. Beyonce, I've heard of her. Michelle Obama famously said, when they go low, we go what? <laughs> Hi! Correct. Ah! Julie takes the Lynn game. Where are the donuts? Christina said we had donuts. <laughs> donuts for your prize. <laughs> All right, most pressing questions. She's a fragile ego, so that was really good. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I need those wins. Yeah. Like, you've had a lot of wins. Yeah. I don't oh, my goodness. <gasps> oh, donuts. donuts. Thank you. Did I say donuts, BK? Yeah, come on. Thank you, BK. Oh, oh my you. goodness. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh. Wait, awesome. Wait, I thought I won. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Offering to guests first. We don't want you? No. I, gotta, I still have to be ready. There might be another no, game. No, most pressing question. <laughs> um, now that you've been to space, what's on your bucket list? Oh, my goodness. Can I go back? Can that oh, be yeah. part of my list? I'd go, back, I'd go back tomorrow. If they were like, hey, we've got a rocket ready for you. We need somebody to fly this to space. Yes, I would totally go back. Right. Okay. That counts. Yeah. Um, I'll, 
after the fall season. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, we do have the Artemis mission coming up, uh, which are missions to the moon. And we just named actually the Artemis II crew, which will be the four astronauts that will do the first test flight of Orion, and that will go around the moon. And then future flights will land on the moon. Eventually, we'll be able to have a talk on the moon, and we'll have sustained human presence on the surface of the moon. These are all building blocks for Mars. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on in uh, low Earth orbit, a lot going on in deep space. I think there'll be a lot of opportunities. So hopefully I could be a part of that in some capacity. Possibly the first woe man oh, on Nicole Man on the moon. <laughs> that Possibly, would, you never know. That would be amazing. Okay, does space have a smell? The vacuum of space I don't know because I was safe in my spacesuit, fortunately. Yeah. But the space station does have a smell. It smells like there, we have these disinfectant wipes that you use to clean everything. So it's kind of got like that chemically like cleaning solvent. And then you can't shower in space. Um, so you can imagine there's a little bit of that component there. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but you do have uh, these waffle towels. Yeah. <laughs> so you can clean uh, with these waffle towels in space, and it smells a little bit like that soap. So it's not bad. It's kind of like a sterile mm -hmm. kind of. Wait, explain why you can't shower in space. That's um, So Well, you can see here this is a, a cup, and there's just coffee inside of it. But because there's no gravity, uh, water's not going to fall to the ground. So you can't take a shower. Um, in fact, if you had a bag of water and you squirted the water out, it would just form a sphere because of the surface tension of the water, and it will just float. Um, so, of course, we mess around with water a lot, because who doesn't want to play uh, while you're in space? And uh, one day I decided I was going to smash my face into this ball of water. And so I smashed my face in this ball of water, and it clings to your face like a gel or like a goo, like it was alive. <laughs> and it's just all like around you. It feels, feels like you're in, like you just dunked your face in a bucket of water, but there's this thin layer. So then I went to wipe it away so that I could breathe, but it all just like came back. And I was like, oh, man. So fortunately I had like a towel, but you could drown in like a quarter cup of water. So if you turn the shower on, like you can imagine, it would be very dangerous. So okay. for safety, no showers for safety. <laughs> um, and the question we all want to know, and I know y'all want to know this, so don't deny it. And I asked this because she's like, please ask this. I asked so this because uh, I understand that in, in the old days, it used to be a reason why women couldn't go to space. How do you go number one? And more, <laughs> more importantly, uh, no one wants poop floating around. No one wants that. True, How true. do you go number two? <laughs> Uh, These very, are the deep things we hit in most pressing questions. Very carefully. <laughs> um, the key to that whole operation is one, gloves on, like nitrile gloves on. Um, two, pants off. Just get them out of the way. You don't completely. Just off. Just get them off. Right? Especially you're in like, the beginning. Like your you're kind of a mess. on the bottom. Yeah, you're just just get away. <laughs> the whole right. thing, right? Um, because if anything touches your pants. Those are your pants for 30 days, by the way. Yeah. There's no washing clothes in space, so yeah. you've got to be really careful. Um, but you, we have a, a system that has a, like a funnel that has some suction in it. And so, number one, you go into that funnel. The system processes your urine, um, separates all the bad stuff from the good stuff, recycles it, and you drink it as your coffee. Oh, the next no, way. Oh. no way. No way. <laughs> no, you do. You do. No, it's incredible. Are you for real? Yeah. 
Stop no, it! Stop. You do not. No, oh, wait, that was that cup that of coffee you talked pre-birth. about earlier? <laughs> it's not your wait, no. So this, no, the space station is incredible. It's got a, a internal system that reclaims 97% of the water. So your sweat, uh, you know, if you like washed your hair, you took your, your towel bath, you know, you use the restroom, all that water gets captured, just purified, gets turned around, and it actually tastes great. Like, it doesn't, it's not, it's not yellow, it's clear, but some of that technology's actually been used on Earth in yeah. disaster areas where they don't oh. have potable water, right. and they need to purify the water and clean it, and so. Wait, did you give what number two is, too? Um, so number two, okay, this is you, you want to be even more careful with number two. Um, it's not as easy because you don't have gravity helping you out. So it's, it's a little more effort, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> but it's a, like a similar concept. You have a canister and there's a little a bag in there that has holes in it. And there's some airflow to try to get everything going in the proper direction. Um, so after you have your gloves on and your pants off, um, aim is number three. That's the number three most important thing is aim. How do you aim? You have a little mirror. (laughs) Aim. This is the best question I have ever asked in my journalistic career. Honestly. I am so proud of myself right now. Fourth most important thing is like get a good a good separation from your body (laughs) because you don't want to like spin around and you know it could get messy. So yeah, that's uh, Pretty much how it comes. Oh wow. my gosh, that was Four really good. Step process. Yeah. Four step no process. pants, gloves. Yeah. Aim. Separation. Separation. Yeah. Be careful. It's really good. Oh, that's good stuff. Okay. Woo. Our last segment we do, Nicole, is called High Low Cheer. You did this before about High Low Cheer of your mm-hmm. career, but we would love high of your time and space, okay. low of your time and space. And the cheers for someone you're grateful for in space. Oh, or so many, so yeah, many highs, yeah. so many highs in space. Um, I definitely that moment when we got that midstrut installed. But I think like beyond that, um, it was the time that I took to reflect about being in space. And we did that first space walk. And it's your first time out the door. Yeah, you're squeezing hard. You're holding on to that space station. Uh, you're very focused. You're trying to stay on timeline. You really don't want to screw anything up. I didn't take the time to kind of just be in that moment and take it all in. So when I had the opportunity to do this second spacewalk, I said, okay, I'm taking it. Whether it be 15 seconds, I'm just going to take it. So after we got that mid-strut installed, I had the chance to go to the very starboard end of the space station. So space station, the external portion is about the size of a football field. So I'm at one end of the space station in the end zone, and I'm routing some cables. And I, and I just take a moment to look down, and it was nighttime, and so you could just see the blackness of the planet. We were going over water, the stars, and it was just incredible. And I focused, though, okay, I need to get all my work done, and they were saying, okay, we need you to go now to the other end of the space station to go pick something up. It's a long, it's a long ways to go. It's like five and a half hours into the spacewalk. Um, and so you kind of do this... Mental check. Okay, mentally, am I ready to do this? Physically, do I still have the strength in me to get this done and get it done safely? And, and I knew that I did, right? You're mentally prepared. You're ready to go for this. You've thought about this quite often. And I say, you know what? I'm just going to take one more look. And so I'm holding onto the space station like this, and I look, and the sun is just coming up around the planet. Uh. And pictures can't, can't even grasp that. Video can't, 
can't grasp at. The yeah. colors are just so brilliant and so dynamic. Yeah. And you see that, that thin atmosphere come up over the planet and you just have this feeling that you're flying on top of the world and you literally are. And that gives you just the strength and that motivation that's like, yes, let's do it, let's go. All the way to the other end of the space station. And so that, that was like a special, you know, like a personal kind of moment yeah. for me. And I'm glad I just took that, that second to appreciate it. Yeah, mm. that's fantastic. And your low? Um, low was after that first spacewalk. Like, I remember this morning we talked a little bit about that imposture syndrome. Mm. Uh, that's a real thing. And I, I felt that way. I felt so deflated. Um, I doubted myself, you know, was there something that I should have been doing differently? Am I, am I prepared? Now I need to go out the door. Am I the right person now to go out the door? I'm small. Maybe I shouldn't be out there doing that in this huge spacesuit. Um, you, you doubt yourself a little bit. And so what I did is I reached out to some of my fellow astronauts. I made some phone calls to some of my classmates and people on the ground that have done spacewalks. And I said, hey, this was really hard. I think I need to do this better. What, do you, what is your recommendation with this? And through talking to folks, they shared some of their experiences with me. Some of the challenges that they had on a spacewalk. Some of those moments where they doubted themselves. And... And just having that honest conversation with people to realize, okay, so this is not a unique feeling. This is this pressure that I'm putting on myself. Everybody struggles. And you band together as a community to yeah. overcome those struggles. Mm -hmm. And I felt, good. I'm going to be stronger the next time I go out yeah. the door. Good. When this isn't going right, then I have that, that strength. I know there's a community of people that are supporting this effort. Um, and we're going to figure this out. And we did. So, yeah. um, yeah, it was kind of like a low turned out to be a, a really big high. I was just going to say yeah. a very common theme we <laughs> yeah. hear that low becomes the high. It does. You have it to does. experience some. Um, and, and finally, your cheer for Up in Space. I will just say your cheer in our first episode was so fantastic. If you could share that story real quick. Oh, that's, cheer. that's yeah. an easy cheer. Yeah. So the cheer was certainly um, for my husband, Travis, and my son, Jack. So Jack turned 11 while I was up in space. And it is, it's really their love and support that has helped me so much throughout this journey. And, you know, whether that be your family or your community or your team, we are so much stronger when we're not trying to do things just on our own. Oh. And um, it, was, it was during the time I was a, a test pilot in PAX and NASA was opening up the applications. Uh, I was pregnant with Jack at the time. And in my mind, I was thinking, okay, well, now I'm going to go become a mom, like, I'm not going to become an astronaut. I'm not going to be a fighter pilot anymore. This is a change in life. This is something, uh, you know, that I, that I chose to do, that I'm excited to do. So I came home and to my husband, like, hey, NASA's accepting applicants, but I'm not going to apply. Clearly, like, we're having a kid. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And he goes, why would you not apply? If you never apply, you're never going to have that opportunity. There's never a good time in life. There's never a good time to have a baby. There's never a good time to make a career decision. Um, and so it was really... You know, his support, I needed that, that support at that time from him because I was doubting myself. And uh, when I launched to space, you know, it was Travis and Jack at home taking, uh, taking care of the house. Travis was, was raising Jack, and he did an incredible job. And so I'm so grateful yes, uh, for, Travis for their support. <laughs> Jack. It's such a good story. I wanted you to share it again. And then finally, you just your cheer in space. My cheer in space is really for, for everybody that's on the planet that follows along in our missions. You know, mm. it's incredible 
Um, we have an opportunity to speak to, to children, to schools, to communities from the space station, and also, especially in this time, now that we're back to Earth. And it's amazing to see the light in people's eyes, children and adults alike. When you talk about the possibilities that you can have, your dreams, and whether that be going to space or, or starting a business or starting a nonprofit, whatever that dream is, you can see that sparkle in somebody's eyes and you can see the wheel start turning in their head and hopefully they find this inspiration and not only this motivation to make a plan, but they can look at all these role models, these incredible women we have in the room and realize, well, it takes a lot of discipline also to make that happen, right? You come up with that plan, you create that dream, that goal. Now the work really starts. Now you've got to get after it. And so I think it's so important that we share our story for the younger generation. And it's been incredible hearing the stories of the amazing women here today. I feel inspired. And so I think a shout out goes out to that younger generation because we need to give them the tools and the support yeah. uh, to make those dreams come true. Well, and to your point, you're, you're sharing your story and you're telling your story, but you're showing your story. I mean, that is what I love to see. And all you've done through these different things in your career, you're living it, you're showing it, you're inspiring. And for that, you are a gift, my friend. So thank you so much. Thank you for that. taking the time. Big round of applause. Astronaut Nicole Mann. I love our job. <laughs> I really love our job. Oh, I, this I mean, one was how cool. How can you call this work? So fun. That was awesome. As we said, we use the word honor, and it's it's the right word. So great. All right. And the audience giving her a standing ovation when she walked off, yeah. which obviously you can't see when you're listening to this. I was like, yes, that, yes, she deserves that. I can't remember of too many standing ovations in Summit history. Nicole got a standing mm. O. Deservedly so. Takeaways, Lynn. You want to go first? My takeaway is that Nicole has seen the wonder of it all. Mm -hmm. What she has such a gift for is explaining things that are really technical in a way that even I can understand. It was like Space 101 class with Nicole as our professor and all of the beautiful life lessons that she also weaved into talking about her experiences in space. It was, it was so cool. Mm. And then I want to share this story with you. As you know, I love a workout class in New York called Forward Space. It's hip hop, dancing, cardio. It's just, it is something that you have to experience to fully understand it. And the day after we recorded, I went to a class in Soho and I uh, took a class from the founder of Forward Space and also gift to humanity, Kristen Sudeikis. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the class, um, Kristen talked with us about taking the energy we had just created in the room and sharing it with people when we walked out back into the world mm -hmm. and basically make mm -hmm. eye contact with people past the goodness. And I couldn't help but think of Nicole as Kristen was talking about that, where this idea that we live on a planet together mm -hmm. and from her perspective, from space, there were no borders. Mm -hmm. So that was just, it was this double dose of, of, you know, kind of the universe hitting me with like, appreciate being here, appreciate being alive, that we're all in this mm -hmm. together. And I actually got a new t-shirt from Forward Space that says Earth 
the ultimate <laughs> dance floor. <laughs> Seriously? Swear to you. I'm not even kidding you, Julie. It ha- I'll, I'll wear it the next time I see you because I'm, I'm actually wearing it right now. I'm kind of living in it at the moment. It has um, a picture of the planet, of planet Earth on the back. Oh, shoot. We needed that for the Nicole interview. That would have been fantastic. Oh, Earth, the ultimate dance floor. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. When she was when she was talking about that perspective from space, looking down on the earth, no boundaries, no borders, no limitations. You And she said, you see humanity and this incredible connection to all people on the earth. earth. And literally, I started getting teary. Well, I was yeah. like, hold it together, Julie. <laughs> Come on, you got this. Yeah. Um, and she, she said afterwards, she goes, I saw you getting glossy. I was like, I did. Aww. I was like, oh. Well, and she was talking about that this planet is magical and yet it's so fragile and that mm-hmm. we have to not only take good care of each other, but equally important, take care of this precious planet, which um, is something that I think about honestly on a daily basis as we you know you know are are now dealing with more and more climate change so i think that was a great takeaway for me and then the other one was when she when she told the story of the um of the spacewalk the first one and how they didn't complete the mission and how bummed they were and then they get the call from Houston, like, no, you got to get back out there. And she said, you know, we had to get back on that bike and have the mental strength because it is, as she said, so hard to do. It's a marathon. It's hard to do. Um, And I thought, gosh, it's such a great reminder that even at your peak, even when you're, you know, in your most successful moments, there will always be setbacks. Mm. And I think we sometimes forget that. We think, oh, I shouldn't be facing setbacks. I'm, you know, I've been at this for so long and that should have been like in the 80s or 90s or what, you know, what am I doing still having setbacks? Mm. But reminding ourselves that setbacks actually mean that you're growing and evolving (laughs) and yeah, evolution, good. (laughs) Cave, ask the cavemen, good. <laughs> Whenever my fourteen-year-old boy, I was just gonna say that with, sounded a lot like Declan. Like Declan, yes. Okay, so he always responds with, uh, uh, "We're like Declan, eat good. Do you want to eat good? Heat <laughs> 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 good. Oh, oh dear, that's, that's awesome. Oh, and how yeah. I mean, just how open and honest Nicole was about that she had self-doubt." You think she's mm-hmm. at in the upper? She not thinks she she is in the upper echelon of her profession, and mm-hmm. being that vulnerable to share that with all of us. And then she though did go back out there, and they accomplished what they yeah. had set out to do. And and like you said, that it it's all these you know the lows become the highs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the such a common theme that we keep encountering. Okay. Here is our questions permitted. And this was emailed to us from <laughs> Hannah. Hi, Julie Hannah. and Lynn. Exclamation. I'm sorry. Actually, pardon me. Hi, Lynn and Julie. Exclamation oh, right. point. You top billing. Of course. My name's Hannah, and I'm graduating from college in about a month with a passion yeah, Hannah. for women's sports and journalism. 
My question is primarily for Lynn, since I don't quite have the pro soccer future. But if either of you have any advice (laughs) on how to break into the journalism world, I would really appreciate hearing it. Thanks so much for an amazing podcast, combining my two favorite things, badass women and laughing. All right, Lynn, let's hear. Let's hear your advice. My advice would be, Hannah, to follow your interests and passions. Let that be a guiding force in your career. And I think in journalism, Jules, uh, I'm curious what you think of this, that especially today with how much journalism has changed, it is a path that you are going to have to actively carve out. Mm -hmm. I think getting a diverse set of skills is incredibly important and might I might even use the word vital because mm. the days of just doing one thing are gone. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to do this, first of all, for sure go for it and also have the ability to do a lot of different things. Even, you know, I'll point to Julie. She does color commentary. She's a reporter. She can host. My background is I'm a reporter, I'm a producer, videography, editing. Being able to do a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. Versatility is vital for sure. Yeah. And, and I think that's great advice is um, I think curiosity is vital as well. Like I think the best reporters and journalists are the most curious ones and they want to they want to learn more. They want to get to the bottom of a story um, and be willing to ask people for help which mm-hmm. I think women sometimes hesitate to do. Like, I don't want to bug that person. I don't want to, like, put it out there. I'm interested in learning. I'd love to shadow you. When in, everyone, anyone, yes. anyone comes up to me, I say, Great. absolutely, yes. you can shadow, you can sit in and, and listen to what we're doing in the booth. If there's space, like, I, you know, get in the truck. Mm-hmm. Like, just be around it. And um, as Robin Roberts always said, proximity is power. So oh. that is also... Um, something I learned is like, you know, just be curious to learn and grow and take it as, you know, when people give you feedback, take it as a chance to grow rather than getting defensive. And that curiosity definitely helps. Yeah. And the final thing that I I thought of to share with Hannah is that this is a relationship business and to nurture relationships. When you meet someone, stay in touch with them, drop an email every once in a while And it is amazing how keeping in touch genuinely can lead to things down the road. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh, we're at the end. Season nine is in the books. Oh my gosh. Uh, Wow. We we did have to adjust and adapt in one way because we are busting a move. Busting a move. uh, Because Stewie... Sadly, couldn't join us for the end of this season, but we are putting it out into the universe. And because we love ourselves some Stu York, uh, <laughs> we think, you know, there's the potential. She's going to kick off season 10. So we put it out there. Um, and who knows? Maybe, maybe she'll have another WNBA championship by then. I think there's going to be some players with Las Vegas and other teams who <laughs> might want to argue that one. But um, a big thank you to all our guests for joining the pod this season nine for our sponsors, of course, of the pod and the women's sports space ally and Dick sporting goods. Please, please support both these great companies who are tremendous advocates for women in all spaces. Get it? 
Pun intended again, Lynn. Wink. And thank you to Kate Diaz for our theme music. And before we go to everyone in the Dope Village, please know how much we appreciate you. Yeah, I hope that you had your own takeaways this season. It will never not humble me when someone says how much they enjoy an episode or the podcast. This has been a journey and so grateful to journey with all of you. Um, And even though the season is ending, it doesn't mean you can't talk to us because we have an email. Don't forget that. We're massive deals. What is it? Uh, It's called laughterpermitted at Um, gmail.com. So we are going on our summer break because summer means chaos for, for me. And we'll pick up season 10 in the fall. So stay in touch. Mm-hmm. Don't go changing. Write to us. Guest ideas, topic ideas. Maybe you want to talk monstration. I don't know. Give us questions for questions permitted. <sighs> we are going to miss you over the summer, but we'll be back. And finally, as always, kids, remember, sing it with us. Laughter, Laughter permitted. permitted. When you look at our planet, it's... It's so miraculous.